Blizzard Activision, Rockstar Games, Epic Games. These are some of the behemoths of the traditional video gaming world. The one thing they all have in common is they all started with a dream and a vision, and they all had dogged persistence and determination to be best in class. There are several companies in the blockchain world that are seeking to become leaders in the blockchain gaming space, but few have been as persistent and focused as Animoca Brands. Yatsu's company is absolutely exploding with acquisition and creations of their own, coming at a breakneck pace. Today, we're pleased to welcome Robbie Young, the CEO of Animoca, to join us for an exciting conversation around the future of blockchain games. Then we bring you a great story of a young man who's become a multimillionaire by banking on Animoca. Hey, you roll your dice, you move your mice, nobody gets hurt. At least we hope that's the way it works out. On this episode number 523 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? And greetings, friends of blockchain, cryptocurrency, NFT, and games, and bad dad jokes alike. This is the Bad Crypto Podcast. That is Travis Wright. Boom. Episode number 523. In your ear holes, just like the other 522 plus another 80 plus another few that we, the numbering system's all screwed up on ours, but it's like episode number 650, kind of, but we don't really know, but we're glad that you are here because uh, you must be crypto curious, or maybe you're even crypto serious. Maybe you're a crypto clown. Maybe you're all of them. But welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. This show's a good one today, folks. We have already interviewed both of these folks today, uh, and these are you're going to enjoy listening to this. Your mind's going to be blown a bit. But before that, we got any task Joel wants to tell you about. Oh, that's you just said my name for the first time. I'm like, I threw it to you. I said, that's Travis Wright. And do you say, and that's Joel Com? No. I'm used to you saying I'm Joel Com and that's Travis Wright. I didn't I didn't hear that you didn't say I'm Joel I, Com. I, hey, you guys could just guess who I am. Like I'm the other guy. <laughs> Actually, it's Joel and the other guy, but that's <laughs> any task, the freelance marketplace, the only place that allows freelancers to sell digital tasks and earn cryptocurrency, ETN. That means you don't need a bank account, and it means there's no fees for the sellers. These guys have gained widespread adoption. You can check it out for yourself at badco.in forward slash any task. And now we should be totally transparent here because we have before about Animoca. We are advisors with Animoca and delightfully so because these guys blow us away. We've had Yatsu on the show before and today we've got Robbie Young. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this because this is what we believe is the future of blockchain gaming. We have frequently referenced a company on the show that we've had the pleasure to work with multiple times and actually work in an advisory capacity with them. And I think out of all of the companies we've had the pleasure to work with, none of them is doing more unique things, especially in the blockchain gaming space. And that company is Animoca Brands. And Travis, I think, uh, when we reference Animoca, we have said multiple times that it seems like everything Yatsu and Animoca touch turns to gold. It does. It's like you guys got the Midas touch over there. And so today we have with us the CEO 
Robbie Young, how are you doing over there? Good, sir. Good, good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, Animoca is is leading the way in so many ways. And, uh, you know, you've got a background in media and in tech and in publishing. Uh, and it seems like everything you've done has really come together to be able to lead this brand forward. And we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about the different brands that you're working with. But I want to first mm -hmm. talk about the overall vision, because it seems to Travis and myself that there's two ways to onboard masses into crypto and blockchain, and that is through gaming and NFTs. And that's something that Animoca is doing both. And so, you know, what is the, the overall vision of how do you onboard, you know, sure. the world, billions of people? Sure. I, I think from our perspective, like when we first got into this business, you know, we, we came from a game development background. We were doing free-to-play mobile games for years. Um, and we've been partnering with brands for years. So we've always worked as a, as a licensee of lots of famous IPs. And it was a skill that we felt really translated into what we started doing in blockchain games. When we started working with the folks at what's now called Dapper on um, publishing CryptoKitties back in the beginning of 2018, that was kind of our, our gateway drug into blockchain gaming because that's, that's how we got hooked. Um, and I think what we realized very quickly was we saw an amazing opportunity to basically connect with not only existing crypto communities, um, but also the world of gaming that we came from. Because one of the things that we felt was really missing in the crypto community was, you know, in, in crypto parlance, um, utility. Because there were so many tokens out there. This was, you know, just on the back of 2017 when there were lots of ICOs. And we felt there was a huge opportunity to try to bring more utility into the crypto world through gaming. Because one thing is a, is a universal, which is that everybody loves to play games. And I, and I think that gaming often gets overlooked in the sort of mainstream you know, consciousness because people always think about films and music and TV, but actually the game industry by any measure, number of players, revenues, et cetera, is far bigger than all of those combined, honestly. Um, you know, so I think that's one thing when you think about, you know, this may not have been true 15 years ago, but post mobile smartphones, gaming is by far the biggest entertainment medium on earth. Yeah, you guys, you're able to pick up your phone and play a quick couple minute game and then you'd be on your way, right? So you don't have to dive in and spend hours on a game. You can just, hey, I got a, a couple minutes here. I'm going to go bust out a game. Um, I want to actually let people know the depth of what Animoca is doing here. This is from your LinkedIn. And you talk about some of the different things you guys are doing with the Formula, you know, with, with the Formula One partnership that you guys have. And the, and the, pro, the, the, the project there, you guys have worked with, so you guys, F1 Delta Time is one of the projects that you're working with. Actually, you guys are building, you guys have the Rev token with that. You have the Sand token because you guys are behind the Sandbox, uh, which is huge. It's a huge metaverse area. Crazy Kings, the Crazy Defense Heroes, you guys are also working with brands like Marvel and WWE, Garfield, Snoopy, Power Rangers. Like, this is, this is unreal. And you guys have not only worked and partnered with Dapper Labs, but you guys also work with Wax and Decentraland. You guys have also acquired Quid, which is our, I mean, you think about it, they're the ones that, that in a lot of ways helped develop digital collectibles when they were over there at Tops. 
That yes. team moved over and created Quid, and and also we've had the the CEO of Gamey on the podcast as well. Mm -hmm. You guys have your hands in a whole lot of stuff, and I think you guys. So maybe go to the back to the origins of this. I, sure. It seemed like you guys were like a like a like a dev house, and you guys were just building different games along the way. You mm -hmm. got a bunch of great designers, and then how yep. did blockchain come along? You said, oh, Crypto Kitties is doing some blockchain stuff. And, and maybe, you know, kind of go into that era a sure. little bit, because I think that's sure. fascinating. So what, what happened was that actually we were working with a great company um, in Vancouver back in 2017. Um, and we were in the process of acquiring the business. Um, and as we acquired them, um, one of the principles of that business, um, also by coincidence, was one of the co-founders of Axiom Zen, which later became Dapper Labs. That was and the so, name. I kept trying to figure out what was the hell is that name of it before? Because we interacted with Axiom Zen before they yep. became Dapper Labs. And yeah, I remember that. Exactly. And uh, and so it was, you know, like many things in life, it was just coincidence um, that we got introduced at the time. And uh, we started talking about what they were doing with CryptoKitties. And it piqued our interest because obviously mobile gaming, particularly in casual gaming, had started to plateau a little bit in terms of user growth. Um, and we were looking for new areas of growth. And, and we thought this was really exciting. Let's, let's see what it is. So we decided to partner with them to be the publisher of CryptoKitties in Greater China. And honestly, it took us about three months to decide to just devote all our energy, biz dev energy, on just developing things where we could integrate tokenization, let me put it that way, into games. Um, because I think there's a role for both fungible tokens as well as NFTs in games. And the reason that this made so much sense to us was because gamers have been using virtual currency to buy virtual items for decades. Well, not decades, more than a decade, right? Since World of Warcraft and all those massive MMOs and then through the mobile era. So there are over a billion people around the world who every day spend virtual currency to buy virtual items in game economies. And if you just replace those with ERC-20 tokens and NFTs, they would still be doing exactly the same thing, but getting much more benefit as players because they would really own stuff as opposed to just existing in a rental economy, which is what most games today are. So for us, we thought this makes so much sense because we actually don't have to train consumers to do anything new. They just keep doing what they're doing, but we're going to make life much richer and more fulfilling for them as players. So that's that's kind of the original seed of the idea. One of the things I really like is that as you're acquiring these companies such as Quid and Gamey, you're looking at them and going, okay, these have their own in-game type of currency, but how do we blockchainify this and take it to the next level and you know one of the things that you're doing with the quid app now is mintables right because you've had over 7 million users in quid we uh, we had michael bramblage from quid on the, the show previously and he gave us the amazing numbers and and you've got all these people that are collecting uh all this cool stuff from these major ips mm -hmm. right i mean you've got so many different ips yeah. in there that are just globally known but people haven't been able to take those and put them on blockchain, but that's getting ready to change. And one of the first set of mintables is actually from the Blockchain Heroes brand because we partnered with Quid to release those and um, and we're killing it in there. So thanks to Quid and, and Animoca for that. 
<laughs> Great. And I Great. noticed here that another um, yes. Animoca brand is now entered the Quid ecosystem. Yes. And for those of you watching the video, it's the Rare Towers from uh, this tower defense game, Crazy Defense Heroes. And so I see this integration taking place. Are we going to see, you know, F1 Delta Time stuff show up in Quid? Are we going to see them, you know, characters, race car drivers showing up in Sandbox? Is this one big metaverse? So I think the idea, the idea is really that when we work with brand partners, also we want to try to give them the benefit of distribution and access and we want players to have a very rich ecosystem. So I think it works from both sides. So when we work with you know, a brand to create a blockchain game, we also, when, when we're creating collectibles in that game, um, because you have game characters that are NFTs that people can collect, it's great for the people who buy those NFTs to be able to use them in multiple locations or have access to different NFT versions of them. So they can have a playable character, they can have a playable character that they can bring into the sandbox, which then is in a voxel art style of the same playable character. And they can also have a, a tradable or collectible card, um, you know, in Quid, for example, a 3D card that also represents the same NFT from a different environment. Because we want to try to create as much richness to the experience um, of the players and owners as possible. That's nice. I actually just opened up a pack of those, the the rare tower ones and got one of each one of them. That's nice. You guys have, there's, you know, I love the the lower mint ones where there's only like 2000 of them being minted. Like with blockchain heroes, when they, when we did those over there, they, um, 500,000 of them. Right. And so, <laughs> and, and then, so people were going in there and, and downloading. And, and what's fun is you, you create this gamification within that particular app that yes. if you collect this, an X amount of time that gives you the ability to, to snag, you know, this additional thing, like here's the enchanted mintable. So yep. the creative team over there is phenomenal that quit. Now, are they also, um, is that from that design studio that you guys had originally built or is that what, what with one of their existing so, assets that they've already have? Uh, so I think they, they already have had those, uh, those resources to create those things. And as you've seen, probably on quid, we've also started to do, um, fully 3D collectibles as well. Um, and I think that's an exciting part of the experience. But the most important thing is they really understand what collectors enjoy about collecting. And so it's about creating, as you said, big editions at low prices, small editions at more you know, high-end collectible prices, um, understanding how to organize sets so that people can have a little bit of a challenge to collect a full set and try to complete sets. Um, and I think that's what makes the collecting ecosystem really vibrant. And prior to bringing it on the web, you know, Quid began as a, a pure mobile app. And so for the last four years, it's been the biggest collectible um, marketplace, but restricted into an app environment. Yeah. The ability so to unlock those assets and yes. blockchainify those, as Joel said, to me, that was a no-brainer. When I when I first when I was like, wait a second, Animoca just acquired Quid, and then I and like we didn't chat with with, with Yacht or anybody. I was just like, wait a second, Animoca just acquired Quid. Ah, so that tells me they're going to unlock those assets. I bet sometime there's going. So I went in and started buying some of those Panini cards. Yeah. I was like, wait a second, if NBA Top Shot is going for some of these cards are going for several hundred thousand dollars. Some some cases, a couple two three hundred thousand dollars. I was like, man, this 
low man Kobe over here. This could be valuable. As Michael, as Michael probably said to you, those NBA cards on Quid are the only digital collectible NBA cards that you can sell for cash today that exist in the world. That's, That's really interesting because on Top Shot, it doesn't. Are you seeing them in a different category or because they're people not cards, think it's I guess. They're right, not, they're they're moments. Not cards. So, so right now they're, they're moments. So it's kind of a different medium and people are, are trading within the ecosystem. Um, so it's slightly different because it's all on flow at the moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas with quid, as you guys know, it's cash in and cash out at the moment because it's a pure cash marketplace. Uh, you know, I, I also like how the team is open and receptive and, and listens, you know, because blockchain heroes, are minted on wax and so for those who are getting the mintable ones you know we talked to michael last week um offline and he agrees that that would be the best way to take the mintable versions so that people Mm -hmm. can bring them into the blockchain heroes collection on on wax and so i love that you guys you know are paying attention and really listening to the community to see what direction you know you go next so well, and and also we're okay. chain agnostic. So we just mm-hmm. you know we want to work with whoever's got the right product fit for whatever the you know the 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 market wants um, and whatever makes sense for the for the particular game or collectible product that we're creating. So we work with Wax, we work with Flow, we work with you know Polygon, we work with everybody. Which I think is going to really pay off in the long run because if you know you see things going the way we see things going is eventually they're all going to be able to come together and you're going to have all this cross chain interoperability exactly. of moving NFT from Ethereum to, to wax and from wax to polygon and wherever, whatever yep. ecosystem it provides. You totally utility. agree. Totally agree. Yeah. That's, that's going to be huge. So I want to, I want to point out here, I'm actually on your, on your website and I actually remember this, this happened a couple of weeks ago where you guys, you guys got the magic number of, uh, according to, um, I guess the Chinese uh, luckiness, you guys got $88,888,888 in funding, creating a total value of a valuation of a billion dollars over there. So congratulations on that. And, and, and what, what, uh, what should we know about that? Because that's a, that's a big, well, big that raise was, over there. Yes, that was, as you said, that was eight eights. And if you, if you didn't know, eight is, of course, a very lucky number in Chinese culture, Asian culture. Um, and, uh, as one, as one article reported it, we raised almost 89 million because <laughs> 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 um, I don't think they got the new, I saw those eights and I was like, oh, there you go. I got they're, they're throwing a little superstition in there. <laughs> we are, we are. And in fact, in, in, in fact, we minted it as a moment, um, for all the participants in the round, cause it's part of, you know, NFT culture. Um, but I think what we're really excited about is obviously, you know, it's a it's a massive fundraise for us. We're really pleased about it. It gives us a lot of runway to do really great stuff. Um, but I think the the big part of it is that we were able to bring in a lot of great partners who come from traditional finance and are not specifically blockchain or crypto funds. People who are still relatively new to the space, um, you know. So that includes Kingsway, Rothschilds, Ellerston people who are not, you know, your typical crypto investors. And I think that is fantastic because it shows, I think that, um, you know, our small part of this industry is going a little bit more mainstream um, and starting to attract attention outside of, you know, our usual bubble 
Um, and I think that's a, re a real good sort of harbinger for the industry. So I'm curious about this. You've got the REV token, which is used in F1 Delta time. You've got the SAND token that's used in mm -hmm. Sandbox. You have the GAMI token for GAMI. Is there a future where this becomes one token to rule them all? <laughs> um, so I think the idea here is that um, we see um, tokens and blockchains as being very cultural, just like games are. You know, some people like to play tower defense games. Some people like first person shooter games. Other people like puzzle games. There's, there's something for every taste. And I think what you'll find is that people who are on Wax or on Ethereum or on different blockchains, there are actually communities with their own culture and their own flavor. Um, and so we're trying to replicate that in how we create tokens because we see also these tokens as being a bit of a store of culture because the REV token is about motorsports, for example. And the idea is that holders of REV have lots of opportunities to use them for things that are related to their passion, which is motorsports. So you can use it in F1 Delta time, you can use it in MotoGP Ignition, you can use it to buy undone watches, you can use it to buy crypto motors. And we're adding more and more partners within the motorsports and motorsports adjacent field so that REV really has a lot of capabilities surrounded um, surrounding motorsports. And then we're doing the same with uh, each of the other tokens. At the same time, obviously we are a, a group, we have a lot of companies, subsidiaries, so we want to encourage them to work together. So we do create events. So you can you know, do staking and add liquidity to pools that involve Rev and Gamey together, for example, um, because we want to encourage people in our Rev community to go check out what's going on in the gamey community because there might be something fun for them there too. It's, it's such an exciting time. And I, I want to I ask you this because you see a lot of cool projects. You see a lot of different game projects and you see a lot of NFT projects that are going on as well in this ecosystem. Mm -hmm. What are some of the coolest use cases so far that you've seen for NFTs in gaming? Coolest use cases? Um, honestly, I think... I have to say, I mean, to toot our own horn, I think it's the sandbox, to be honest, um, because I think that the coolest uses for NFTs are about involving them as playable characters in very deep experiences. Mm. And the deeper the experience, the better. And I think what, what I really love about the sandbox the most is that it it's all about user-generated content and users can be, you know, the general public, or they could be corporates or professional media entertainment companies that are that are creating, you know, like an Atari theme park or something like that. Um, and so I think, to me, that's really exciting because the richness of experience is huge. Um, and the Sandbox is a great example of that because it's very diverse. Obviously, F1 Delta Time has a very rich experience, but it's focused on a single category, which is motor racing. Would you yeah, say it, Sandbox is sort of like, for, for people who've never played it, because I know there's a lot of people who are in yeah. crypto that listen to our show, but they don't necessarily dive into the metaverse yet. Would yep. you say this is sort of like Minecraft 2.0? Um, it is, although I, I would say it's actually, it's inspired by both Minecraft and Roblox. Um, and the idea was, you know, those games are incredible, incredible user-generated content metaverses. And the Sandbox 
um, was the same. It was the original game was a 2D primarily mobile game, um, metaverse, and it was all user generated content. And the guys behind the sandbox had the idea to make a 3D version. And the timing just happened to be 2017 when they were planning to do it. Um, and this was when the NFT standard was being written and so they came up with the idea of, hey, maybe, maybe it would be cool to try to put this on the blockchain. And that was when we came together. We you know, became the largest shareholder in their business and, and helped them to sort of chart this path into blockchainifying their original game, which was already a 10-year-old, very successful mobile franchise. But the idea is this user-generated content category is by far the biggest game category, when you think of the outsized success of these two titles, Minecraft and Roblox, you know, everybody was talking so much about Fortnite a couple of years ago. Um, it was really on the sort of public consciousness. Everybody, every middle-aged, you know, parent of teenage kids was complaining about how their kids did nothing but play Fortnite, you know, for a year. But the funny thing is, even though everybody talked about how much Fortnite was being played, Minecraft and Roblox both grew during that year. So if everybody was playing Fortnite, how come they grew? Well, because people still didn't cut down on their Minecraft and Roblox time. Their communities, their, their virtual worlds where kids hang out and socialize and create and just have fun. You know, they're, they're what, when I was a kid, we used to go to shopping malls to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and, <laughs> you know. Used to work are. in one. You know, exactly. work, work through the food court. It's not just that. It's games like Fortnite. It's play the game, rinse, repeat, right? It's it's yes. essentially the same thing again and again. But these creative environments like Minecraft, and Roblox, and now Sandbox, the, the only limit is your imagination and the tools that you're given, right? Yes. People are creating amazing stuff. There's no end game. It's just Correct. more creating. And since Correct. there's no limits on it, uh, when does when do you stop? Well, you don't. Exactly. And the more you play, the more you want to keep playing because now you're invested in that experience. Yes. And the fun part is that you can actually create a game within the sandbox. So it's possible that if you just like to play, you know, tic-tac-toe, somebody can do that in the sandbox and you just play that game within a game, so to speak or you can spend your time just exploring the entire universe of the sandbox. So there's, as you said, there's something for everybody, which I think, you know, is a really powerful thing. Um, and as it we've seems, seen- It seems like there's even an opportunity for people to make money doing stuff on this, right? You can make a significant yes. amount of money. Like I know my daughter plays uh, Roblox all the time. She loves yes. Roblox. She's an amazing Minecraft builder. Like she's built all these amazing little things. It's like, wow, now knowing that sandbox is like a culmination of those two, I, I need to get her figured out yes. how to build little cool things Absolutely. so she can sell them and earn herself some sand. Well, and that's the thing because this is this epitomizes the play to earn model because you know creating stuff within the sandbox while it's easy enough that anybody can do it, it still takes time. It's like building Legos, right? It takes a certain amount of time to make something sophisticated, and so if your daughter has time to spend creating something cool, then somebody else can come along like me who doesn't have time and I'll pay money. I'll pay sand to buy that cool creation. Cause I don't have the time to make that myself, but I want one. And so she can then put it in the marketplace and sell it. Um, and I, and that creates an amazing, you know, we've, we created a creator fund already two years ago and seeded it with a million dollars at the beginning. 
just to basically pay graphic designers and artists from around the world who were interested in the community to just create cool stuff because we wanted there to be lots of cool stuff when people first went into the game to be able to buy amazing creations. Um, and that was kind of how we seeded the content. But honestly, it's just exploded. So we've, we've got a forest of content now and we're really excited about it. One of the things that I love about building in the virtual worlds is that for anybody who's a parent, you would know that Legos are actually instruments of death and destruction. Right? <laughs> you, you step on those things, and, you know, as you're walking through the living room, it's like, ah, mother flipper. So you have to be paying attention to what's happening in the gaming industry at large. I've, I've been a lifelong gamer. I was one of those that subscribed to WoW in 2004, played mm -hmm. vanilla still maintain a subscription even though i rarely play they take my 15 <laughs> bucks a month so as you look at these other game companies you've got to have your eye on blizzard activision right yes. and, and epic and uh, trying to second guess what are they going to do and when are they going to do it what do you see happening when sure. will they pull the trigger and get involved in the blockchain world i think it's something that they monitor very closely um but in reality, I mean, for all practical purposes, I think it's going to be a very long time before they start to gravitate towards it. Um, and I think we can see that because if you look at the companies that were very big on console and PC, look at how long it took them to migrate to mobile. Um, in some cases, it took them five to 10 years um, after mobile became a, you know, five or 10 years after Angry Birds proved that mobile was massive. Well, they're lumbering corporate beasts, right? I mean, these things move slowly by design. Yes. And, and also they have incredible franchises, you know, so they don't actually need necessarily to stay on the, to have the most cutting edge product on a new platform because they already extract so much value from their existing franchises. Um, and I think what we'll see is, culturally, it's going to be very hard for them to embrace the amount of openness that having a blockchain game with NFTs, um, you know, entails, because their traditional business model is basically creating a rental economy and building a moat around their customers to make sure that none of the customers leak out into other competitive platforms. Whereas what we're talking about in blockchain gaming is actually getting rid of the moat and the drawbridge altogether and opening it up completely and saying, hey, these are great NFTs I'm making over here in F1 Delta Time or Gamey or Tower. And if you want to buy them, take them anywhere. Go and use them in other people's games, you know, run free. And that from a traditional game development standpoint is terrifying because you've always thought from a mentality of trying to keep everybody inside. Yeah, we have we have mobile devices like Apple, right? That it's, it's a closed ecosystem for the most part. They don't want to. They don't want you to play. You don't get to play. They don't want you. They don't want you on their app store. You're not in their app store. And uh, I love this idea of opening things up. And and there are so many different blockchains now that are you know NFT friendly. And so I would I would I would ask you. So say there's somebody out there who's thinking about doing an NFT project of some sort. Yep. Like. What are some of the parameters that you go through to think about, like, which one would this blockchain, you know, best, best fit? What advice would you give to somebody thinking about building a project who I might be building a project and I'm thinking about? Sure. I think um, the first thing is, obviously, um, while Ethereum has arguably created the most opportunity in the blockchain game sector, um, unfortunately, 
it's become a victim of its own success, as we all know, because gas fees have just made it difficult to have anything but a very premium product on Ethereum, you know, until version, you know, 2.0 is really out there and and about fully. Um, So I'd say at the moment, um, side chains like Polygon are fantastic. Um, There's also obviously Binance Smart Chain is is quite a popular one. And I think it's important to think about, and obviously Flo, who we work with, who's had tremendous success with NBA Top Shop. Um, and I think that these are examples of types of chains that you can work with that have very thriving ecosystems already of NFT collectors, game creators. Um, and another one actually that we've been spending a fair bit of time on now is uh, is Nier. Um, so we we think they're doing some exciting stuff as well. Think Nier? Uh, yeah, Nier. I saw that you guys are doing some stuff with Hedera Hashgraph as well, starting to work. On we stuff. are, we are. So we're we're focusing there specifically on doing uh, football or soccer for you guys in the in North America um, soccer content um, with Hedera because they've come up with a special tech um, geared towards um, uh, rooting out uh, cheating in games because now that everything's you know all of the the metadata can be on chain, um, you can also help uh, to eliminate cheating. Nice. So let's talk about what happens next, at least to the degree that you can reveal. Is there any um, acquisitions or partnerships, anything that's not totally uh, maybe in the public eye yet that you can give us a little tease about? Sure. I mean, I think one of the things that we've been spending a lot of time on, as everybody knows, is um, working on sports-related content. Um, And I think that um, sports-related content makes a lot of sense in these early days of blockchain gaming because it's a wonderful intersection of really compelling um, action-oriented gaming um, married with a collectible aspect because there's such a rich history of collecting sports-related memorabilia, trading cards, et cetera. So it enables not only an action game, but a lot of metagames in the same type of product. And so F1 Delta Time was our first attempt at creating that kind of product that was kind of our our, no, our version 1.0 of a, of a sports blockchain game. Um, keep in mind that we started working on that game in 2018. So it's been a long road um, to build a rich experience. Um, we're following that up with MotoGP. Um, we've announced already Formula E will follow that. Um, and I think you can imagine that there will be more motorsports content to build out and enrich in the Rev ecosystem following on those three titles as well. Um, mm. Because we really want to, sort of build a, a solid franchise in this genre. You know, it'd be fun. I was just thinking like based on those, uh, those kind of, you know, motor, motor sports would be a uh, uh, monster truck, something yep. with monster trucks, because you know, how fun, like you, you get to build your own custom monster truck with super huge wheels. And like, and you go, you get to smash other people's NFTs. Like, yep. be good. like <laughs> Well, and the, and the cool thing is once you own it as an NFT, you never need to take it to the repair shop to be maintained. It lasts forever. Yeah, that's so true. I want to ask about a previous question that I was talking about around, because um, you, you mentioned Matic or, or, or Polygon now, but it's the Matic token mm-hmm. and, and and how there's a lot of great stuff going on there. Somebody asked me a question about this, and I don't know that I had the answer. And because and, um, it's interesting to think about. So Ethereum's going to launch their... Uh, you know, they're, they're 2.0 to be able to launch staking eventually, right? And going to be a proof of stake instead of mm-hmm. the way that it is now. What do you think happens to some of those side chains once, once you know, Ethereum 2.0 launches? Is, is there even going to be, be a need for, for Matic and, and, and stuff like that? 
I don't know that there's going to be, from a technical standpoint, I don't think there's a necessity for it. So the obvious advantage of gas fees, the differential in gas fees goes away. Um, but I don't think that that changes necessarily their business proposition because obviously, you know, it's just like, it's just like a broadband provider. You have a choice of six different ones and you don't just need one because they all offer different types of services and they all offer different packages. And, and I think the same thing is going to be true with the side chains because um, they're going to have different performance characteristics and different things that they do well, depending on the application. Um, so, for example, some of them, I suspect, will be much better for DeFi applications, for example, and some will be better for gaming. Well, Robbie, we appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing a little bit about what Animoca is up to and your vision for the future. Of course, anybody wants to go check it out, and you should. Animocabrands.com is the central spot for all things Animoca. And uh, we'll be keeping up with you, good sir, because you, Yacht, and the team are cooking up some gaming goodness over there. Fantastic. Thank you, guys. Really, I appreciate this chance to come on, and, uh, and it's great to chat with you. Thank you so much, Robbie Young, for coming on Bad Crypto, CEO Animoca Brands. Love what they're doing. So there's somebody else out there who loves what Animoca Brands has been doing, Joel. And uh, this guy right here has been paying attention to Animoca for quite a while. And then something happened and he was investing in it. It's on the stock market down at the Australian Stock Exchange, the ASX. And then all of a sudden the AXX pulled it, pulled off Animoca for a while. And but this guy was like, I don't this is not deterring my love for Animoca. I'm going to keep on loving you, Animoca. And he did. And uh, this interview right here with Ishan Hawk is, is going to warm the cockles of your heart. The cockles of your hawk. It's been said, no guts, no glory. If you don't take risks, then not only can you not fail, but you can't succeed. And this is where the story gets real interesting and i'm not going to reveal the punchline yet i'm just going to say that we have a young man with us coming from brisbane australia he's 21 years old and his name is ishan hawk uh ishan welcome to bad crypto thanks for having me it's an honor to be here okay so you're obviously a uh, a smart young man because you have become a multimillionaire by taking a risk at the age of 21, what uh, your parents must yeah. be thinking, what? Yeah, my parents think I'm a bit of a degenerate. Um, so, yeah, taking taking these bets. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're proud. They're happy. Um, I'm not, you know, being uh, really ostentatious. I mean, it's, it's paper wealth. It's, I'm not, you know, walking around with millions of dollars in my bank account. Um, yeah, it's all kind of on paper. We'll see if I can cash out in years to come or not. Um, but yeah, my, my parents are pretty, pretty happy about it. At first they weren't At first it was a bit, um, a bit dangerous, but now it's, it's kind of, um, in the writing, it's, it's kind of, they're happy about it. Well, let's, let's talk about how, what risk did you take and how did you get rich on paper so that you could not be ostentatious by the way, five points for using that word. Good job. Thank you. Um, yeah, I try to read the dictionary every day. Um, yeah, like maybe just to 
quickly go back in time. In 2017, I finished high school and I got into university, um, studied finance and computer science, and I stumbled across an investing club. Um, and they were just like, hey, pick an asset and write research reports on it. Um, and so as like a 17, 18 year old, uh, you know, bonds, commodities and indices aren't really exciting. Um, and so my head kind of turned to crypto. And at the time, it, it was relatively unknown in the mainstream. It was around like $900 per Bitcoin. Um, so I started buying some, but also uh, throughout that year, I kind of really uh, dug deep into it and sort of you know started educating other students about crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then you know eventually NFTs. Um, and so in 2018, uh, a year later, uh, I was looking at what to buy after, you know, crypto had a boom. I made a bit of money. I didn't make millions of dollars, but I made a bit of money. And we were in the winter of crypto at this point. You know, the bust happened. Um, so I was like, okay, where else do I put my, this money now? Um, and so I came across Animoca Brands, uh, which was back then uh, a mobile games developer um, that had a few hit games, but... They weren't doing anything in blockchain, um, but until they sort of announced uh, that they were going to be the distributor for Greater China uh, for uh, CryptoKitties, um, which uh, you know Dapper Labs owns. Um, and so when they announced that and they were like, hey, we're going to pivot into um, blockchain gaming, um, that was kind of interesting to me just because, A, I've already been, you know, the past year I've been researching all about blockchain and NFTs and, and you know, crypto um, but also in high school, I, I ran like Minecraft servers for, for businesses. So like, you know, I understand, I understood the marriage between NFTs and, and gaming. Um, so at this point I was like, Hey, this is kind of interesting. This isn't that boring. Um, and so I'll put a bit of money into it and just keep following the story and see, and see what they will do. Um, cause NFTs weren't really a thing at all. Um, still uh, in, in early 2018, um, and so, but then, you know, I, I think Travis is a lover of Animoca and has followed their story and knows that, you know, over you know, 2018, 2019, 2020, they had a lot of activity in the NFT space instead of partnering up with everybody and sort of building, um, actually building sort of uh, blockchain um, games and, and sort of outlining, outlining that vision. So, um, yeah, I started putting sort of every single, every single little bit of money I could into Animoca um, throughout the years. Um, and then eventually in, in 2020, um, they uh, got delisted from our stock exchange um, uh, in, during COVID. Um, and so- was the, with the Australian was, Stock Exchange, the ASX? Yeah, so Animoc is like Hong Kong based, but they were listed in Australia and that's how I came across them. Cause I was looking at you know, Australian stocks to sort of buy into um, cause I'm from Australia, uh, but then, you know, the Australian government, or actually the the ASX, the the, the regulatory body that uh, controls the stock exchange, they were like, "Hey, we kind of don't like crypto. It's kind of weird. We don't really like these blockchain companies. Um, you know, this is too early for us right now. Let's kick these companies off." So they kind of, you know, in a kind of in an instant, got kicked off, and my investment, which was going pretty well, ended up kind of being worth zero dollars, and I couldn't access it. Um, and at this time, this was a lot of my, a lot of, this is like almost all my money. Um, oh, and no. so I kind of panicked at the start. Um, but then, you know, as the months went on, I did more research. 
I talked to um, the, the the people behind Anamoka. I um, uh, worked with actually a, a block. I was a blockchain consultant, uh, whatever that really meant back then. Um, especially I was a uni student, so I didn't really know what I was talking about. But um, what it, what it meant I, is somebody was like, I don't know what the hell blockchain is, and you would give like a two sentence explanation that makes you a consultant. Yeah, I yeah I gave a, yeah some some bullshit um, explanation and. Uh, and I, you know, engaged Anamoka on behalf of that company and sort of really, I was really digging deep into to Anamoka and what they were doing and got more and more conviction that, hey, this is probably my version of getting a Coinbase type investment. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're early on in, in Bitcoin, you, um, you know, you can, you can buy Bitcoin, you can buy Ethereum, you can buy the spot and, but you'd have to, you know, ride through the waves of, you know, the everyday volatility of, you know, going up 10%, 40%, whatever, going down, you know, 20%, 30% in a single day. Um, and so Coinbase would have been a great alternative or like diversified investment, getting equity in something that had exposure to, to, to Bitcoin. Um, so to me, I was like, hey, NF, you know, instead of buying individual NFTs and, and you know, playing around with itsy bitsy things, I could just buy equity in the company that's probably going to be a, a big player in the NFT space. Um, and so during the almost the end of last year in September or October, getting to the juicy bit now. Sorry, I rambled for so long. But um, I was like, hey, I'm going to try and buy as much um, of Anamoka as I could possible. And so they were dealers at this point. So it's, it's, you know, it's privately traded, secondary trading. And so, uh, you know, yeah, that's, that's the question. How, is that, is that, you know, as I read part of your story, how are you? How are you connecting and being able to buy Anamoka if Anamoka is delisted? How are you? able to to uh, to manage that yeah so um they uh engaged a secondary trading platform called primary markets it's basically a platform where you can connect with other investors of a private company and buy and sell from them and so um through that but also there was like facebook groups of like animoca shareholders because you know once you got delisted we wanted to like all talk about how we're all poor now. Um, and so, you know, those Facebook groups and like Reddit groups and stuff like that, and like, you know, subreddits and stuff like that. So um, I tried to just talk to everyone I could and I could sense a lot of panic, but um, I was kind of, you know, during this whole time, I wasn't panicking. I was getting even more conviction that NFTs were probably going to be a thing um, and gaming's probably the first avenue to sort of uh, get some mainstream adoption. Um, I didn't know it was going to be, I didn't know we're going to go through a boom so early, but um uh, yeah, so I ended up uh, getting matched with seven shareholders to buy a million shares. So I'm more than doubling my previous shareholding. Um, I did sell, uh, you know, quite a bit of Bitcoin to sort of <laughs> to fu- to fund this, um, which I worked out the return. This was a better return in that time frame. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up buying a million shares from seven different shareholders. One of the shareholders, I don't want to name, but was like this big hotshot, um, you know, director of like a billion dollar, you know, a company that's listed on the ASX. And um, I ended up buying the shares at a 60% discount to the last traded price. So mm. it last traded at like 18 cents. Um, I negotiated to buy their shares at seven cents. Nice. Um, and then, you know, a few months goes by, NFTs got really, really hot. Um, and I remember in March, uh, you know, I bought these shares for seven cents and I had a Hong Kong fund, you know, reach out and say, hey, we want to buy all your shares for a million dollars, you know, at, you know, at 60 cents or something. Um, and I was like, you know, that was a really hard thing. I called my you know dad. I was like, what, like I should, 
maybe not take this and he was like crazy um but ended up not taking it just because they were kind of aggressive you know they're like we'll buy everything you've got um and i was like okay well if you guys are playing that game then probably something's around the corner and then yeah not even a month after um animoca raised at like a dollar 10 per share um and you know my stake is worth you know in the, in the low few millions um, and, and the so. rest for the moment is is you know history to be made still because uh you know we are fans and and we think that you know this is not investment advice but uh we think that animoca has a bright future uh, as do you so so what's next Deshaun? Yeah. what are you going to do with uh with this money and what are you i mean you're just getting started you're just an, an, an adult yeah. you're a young adult now you have your whole life behind you what do you want to do yeah, so uh, look, I, yeah, I'm a huge believer in Animoca. I, I still think uh, that they're fo- following the trajectory of Dapper Labs. You know, Dapper Labs recently um, raised like a monster round. They, they, you know, they raised at like a two and a billion dollar valuation, and then a month later raised at like a seven billion dollar valuation. So um, I know the space was hot and it's kind of cooling off, and you know the cycles happen. But I think in the long term trend, I think you know a billion dollars for Animoca is probably you know the, the early stages. Um, and so I, with the investment, I, I plan to hold on, um, and, and sort of, you know, ha- have a longer term view of it. Um, but in terms of what's next, um, uh, you know, I, I, I want to try and keep, you know, finding these <laughs> opportunities. Um, it's very hard to do obviously. And this was, you know, I was very lucky, um, that being exposed to that, but, um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to continue, uh, looking for these, um, asymmetric upside uh, type bets um and, and try to go all in uh, keep doing that because you know if i lose everything at the end of the day i'll just restart i'm you know i'm kind of young and you know i you know i don't really have a lot of risk i don't have kids and, and stuff like that so um you know that that's that's my plan um keep keep going on with that uh degenerate mentality that's that's phenomenal and you have like a backstory even behind that like your parents got out it looks like they got out of a bad situation in bangladesh and then moved to south africa and then moved to australia and so they've had a pretty interesting life. It sounds like, at least from the story over here. And uh, yeah, yeah. So problem. my, yeah, definitely. Um, so my parents were born in Bangladesh. Um, grew up in, uh, you know, not the best conditions over there. Um, and I like to say, you know, my parents kind of won the lottery twice because they got out of Bangladesh um, and moved to South Africa. And in South Africa, especially you know during you know the nineties and um, it wasn't the greatest. We lived in Peter Maris, Pierce Marisburg, and that's where I was born. Um, so there's a lot of violence. And so they got out of there and got, came to Australia. So, you know, to get out of Bangladesh and then to get out of uh, South Africa, um, to come to Australia uh, was, you know, was phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, and then I sort of grew up. I was very lucky. Um, I was like a kid, like a baby. You know, I came to Australia when I was four. So, you know, all the sort of bad stuff I don't really remember. Um, I just, you know, I remember Australia, the, the beaches and, you know, the, the nice weather. And, um, yeah, I, I was extremely lucky and, and grateful. Um, I, I grew up relatively normal um, in, in Australia. So, um, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, I don't um, blow all the money and I, and I help my parents out. Um, you won't. You're, you're smart. You're like, I was a baby. So I'm like, you're a baby still, but you're a very smart, rich baby now. <laughs> yeah, I Kind of, I guess. So, yeah, you're not going to uh, blow the money. You're I think, you know, you're going to be wise with it. Uh, you, you have, I think, a natural sense of financial world uh, that they don't teach in school. Right. You didn't learn this 
in school, you learn this yourself by going and doing your research. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I, yeah, I probably, yeah, yeah, I don't want to make big assumptions, but I probably, probably would be more ahead if I didn't go to uni as much or maybe dropped out earlier or something. It was taking up quite a bit of my time during, especially my last year. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I never, I, I didn't think, I attended maybe like two classes in like two years. I never went to university. I never really learned anything there. Um, so, yeah, I, I also don't like being one of those people saying, haha, um, you know, I, I, I made this money and I didn't need uni. You, sh- you shouldn't do uni too, or you shouldn't like pursue higher education. But um, yeah, I, I think for me personally, um, yeah, I don't think, I, I didn't really learn much. Like, I didn't either, even, you know, years ago. And I was, I graduated college in 1986 and I just learned to party. That was it because I went for a, a stupid liberal arts degree, which, you know, sorry to you liberal arts majors out there. But, you know, I my thing, my feeling is this, that unless you're going to college to be a professional, that is, you, you know, uh, a lawyer, doctor and engineer right something that's going to require that degree to get a job um there's not a lot of point in going to an undergrad university for the first two years you know my recommendation this is educational advice even though i'm not an educational advisor is the first two years go to a community college save money Right. It's it's ridiculous how much these universities cost these days. And especially since they've become indoctrination centers. Now, sure. now I'm soapboxing here. And then if after two years you've got a direction for a professional degree, go to a university and, and pay your way to get the damn degree. Otherwise, just, you know, life will teach you and just go do what you want to do, especially if you have entrepreneur. Don't, don't you think, Trev? Well, I mean, think about this. Think of all the places that you can go to get education now. Udemy, edX, you can go to Coursera, you can go to Masterclass. There's all these different online places. There's just so many. Like this. You, can, you can sit in on Stanford classes and MIT classes for absolutely free, and mm-hmm. you don't get the degree from them. But, for, I mean, I, I – How about University of Phoenix, right, yeah. Online. online? Yeah, but that costs you money. The other, Those other ones are very, like, minimal, like – you want to learn some great skills, man. Udemy. I, I'm on Udemy all the time learning great stuff just because it's like great courses, smart people. Uh, oh, I need to learn how to do this Photoshop or, 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 or After Effects better. I'll just go on Udemy. I'm not going to go to college for it. A lot of the stuff that, that I know, even the stuff that I went to college for, a lot of that shit's obsolete, completely obsolete, except for the network and the, and the, and the cloudy memories of party times. Yeah, I think ninety percent of like everything I, I've learned in the you know past couple of years has been off like YouTube. Like I'll just be going on YouTube and I'll just type in exactly what I want to learn because you know if you're curious, you'll just um, try and uh, feel that appetite. And um, yeah, I, I think like yeah, you, YouTube, Udemy. I learned programming through, on like Treehouse or something, which is like a coding school. Yeah, um, yeah like everything I've learned was just online. I was kind of born on the internet. So um, yeah, I've completely agree with you guys. They don't like when you, uh, when you go to, you know, YouTube to learn, they want you to get your news from the, the mainstream media because they've got a narrative that they want you to believe. And you're not falling in line, Sean, you're thinking for yourself. And that's, that's really dangerous uh, in this world because you're going to succeed in spite of the messaging that they're putting out there. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep doing that. Um, mm-hmm. fun, funny enough, a lot of the YouTube 
videos I watch to learn is like other, like, you know, if I'm 12, it's like another 12 year olds, you know, with a squeaky voice saying, Hey, this is how you program using it. It's like, um, you know, it's, we're all helping each other out. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny how that, how that works. Um, but yeah, Beautiful. we love, we, we love, we share your love of Animoca. We always like to say that whatever Animoca touches now turns to gold. And so we've been working with a lot of different projects, seeing what they do, keeping an eye on them. So great job finding Animoca much sooner than we did. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, in, in the next one, you guys will find the next one. Um, what, what's your favorite uh, sort of Animoca projects? that they've got going on what's like well, we're we're big fans of uh, a lot of what they're doing but especially quid right now because we've actually got our blockchain heroes uh, collectibles in quid and we're watching oh, their yeah. their audience just eat them up I'm, 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 I'm just gobbling up blockchain heroes that's really resonated with them and and uh, that means uh, we're probably going to do more with them very excited to to be working with them and don't mean for this to sound like an animoca commercial it's just that look gang there are only so many game companies out there that are moving blockchain forward at the pace that these guys are and myself being a gamer i remember watching the rise of blizzard and activision and accolade and the other game companies you know throughout the last 30 years and this just there's a pattern that you start to see here and uh, these guys are uh, following this pattern that I've seen before. So that's why we're paying attention. And Ishan, uh, that's why we've been glad to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on today. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way uh, on social to reach you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Ishan Hawk, I S H A N H A Q. Um, but other than that, yeah, if you want to hit me up, hit me up on there. Um, thank you so much for having me, guys, uh, and share, share my little shareholder story. Um, but yeah, go Animoca. Yeah, this is not a paid ad, but kind of is. I've got a message. Go, 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 Animoca. Yay, Animoca. This kid is just 21. You know, he's Aussie. And now he's sitting on millions, mate, in, in uh, Animoca brands. And his parents are like, maybe he's not, you know, total wacko. Right. We need you to go to school and we need you to do all of this. And he's like, no, I need to do this. And uh, he's done pretty well for himself, I would say. Now, here are some things you guys can say. Guess what? You can go on iTunes and you can leave us a nice little review. If you enjoy the content that we create, we don't charge you any money for the content. All we want to know is, is if, if you're enjoying it, if, you're, if you've been listening, you're tuning in. So leave us a, a subscribe to the show and leave us a review. And if, you, if it's a funny review, we're going to read the review. Like this review right here. Wait, there was no funny reviews this week, so we're not going to read one. Are you sure? Maybe we just haven't looked yet. I'm actually going to go into our, uh, our studio stuff right now. And take a look here and see if there's any new reviews that we can use. There it is. This one just came in from Erica Bushwell. No other podcast like it. Five stars. This podcast is beyond entertaining while also providing you with great advice. Uh, Erica, we are not financial advisors. She goes, Joel and Travis are a great duo and definitely provide you with valuable information. If you're looking to learn more about crypto while also being entertained, this podcast is for you. Now, on its face, that's not funny. But if you look at what she said there about us providing great advice, that's kind of funny because... 
is funny. We, we don't. We provide mediocre advice at best. Well, we tell you don't listen to our advice. That's pretty good advice. I love the reviews we get where it's like, don't listen to these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's actually mostly true in many respects. We do know NFTs. Like when it comes to crypto, we can pass on some information. Uh, but, you know, on um, telling you what to buy or stuff. You know what? I'm going to read one other review here, Travis. This is actually for our other podcast, The Nifty Show, which is currently a five-star rating. And we invite you guys to listen to it uh, by Tropic Vibes. I'm a believer. Spoiler alert. This show is awesome. After hearing Joel break down NFTs on EO Fire, I had to hear more. The Nifty Show killed all of my skepticism about the blockchain. Finally, I see practical use that I can dive into. My first NFT had to be the Profit Blockchain Hero because I've been converted. I see this light. I love the eternal 12-year-old references and how they're not just talking about speculation. I have no clue if I bought the Profit at a good price, but I don't care. I'm 34, but feel like I'm in middle school opening my first pack of Pokemon cards. Thanks for the show. Watch out world. If DBZ or coming to America NFTs drop, I'm hoarding LOL. There you go. So Dragon Ball Z NFTs would be great. Yeah. I mean, they, they better make more than they better make over 9,000 of them. Absolutely. So thanks for the review. And we invite you guys to go check out the nifty show as well. Twice weekly. It's an up and come up, mate. That's what I say. We enjoy doing it, and that's why we keep doing it, because we enjoy creating great content. I'm a big fan of Joel Kahn. I like what I like his brain, and we have good conversations. And so once upon a time, we decided, hey, let's record some of these conversations. And we're still conversating, and we're still recording said conversations, and you're stu- still tuning in. And that, that really shows us a lot, doesn't it, Joel? And you're still following the very simple instructions that we provide you with at the end of each and every show. And that is to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. So no corn jokes this week, right? Man, it's not, there's nothing corny going on this week. We've, we've, we've worn that one out and we've taken the husk off that joke. Well, I just don't remember the last time, truthfully, that I have had corn. Now, I did. I I was at a buffet, and I almost bought some corn. I almost got some corn on my plate. But it just didn't look like the kind of corn that I wanted to have. You don't eat corn from a buffet normally. No? I don't know. It was just like, it it was like not a full cob. It was like an eighth of a cob. You know, it's like when they slice a cob and like the multiple pieces, like really tiny. I was like, that's just not a full cob. I don't know that I'd be able to identify corn. On which, which end? <laughs> That's a good thing we didn't do any corn jokes this week. Well, it's not. We're, gonna, we're, we're growing up now. We're eternal 30-year-olds now, so we don't make corn jokes.